0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi everyone, Frida, Grateful Recovering Anorexic Blame Compulsive Overeater. It's so lovely to be in this space with all of you I've um, in September it will be nine years higher purpose higher power willing of um, freedom from binging purging and starving and I started my recovery journey in the East Bay at the 6 p.m. Sunday commitment to abstinence meaning and it was Gosh, maybe 13 years ago, 15 years ago. I can't recall. I was 25. I'm 39 right now, so 14 years ago. Thank you, math. I still can do basic subtraction. Uh, entered the rooms, and it it took me it took me a lot of um, starting and, and stopping and starting and stopping to get to a place of total win- willingness and readiness to turn it over. So I, I share that from the get go because I was not one of those individuals that was struck with recovery from the get-go. Um, when I first came into the rooms, I had a really challenging time identifying myself as somebody with an eating disorder, and I am really encompass all aspects of this disease and each side of the coin. You know, somebody that um, tries to create the illusion of control by controlling food, creating very meticulous food behaviors, Lots of rules around what is good and what's bad, when one can eat, when one can't eat. Definitely, um, for me, I had a restriction, and <laughs> what what really was an anorexic problem. If um, I felt powerless and overwhelmed with emotion, and would um, and so rather than sitting with the feeling, I would I would um, throw up the feeling. I would use laxatives, I would overexercise, I would do damage control if I felt that I had overeaten, that's bulimia. If I was isolating because I was seeking false comfort from food or felt shame or fatigue, quite honestly, is one of my biggest triggers for wanting to go to the food, rather than resting, um, going to the food and gorging on You know, the repetition back once again and again and again and again to the refrigerator to the point of discomfort and dis-ease-that's compulsive eating. And it took me a long time coming into the rooms for me to really connect with my truth and what I was genuinely and honestly feeling because it was so painful rather than just spewing niceties. And it was through the process of working the steps, sharing rigorous. With rigorous, rigorous honesty that I was able to um, step forward powerfully and vulnerably along my path of recovery and to get to where I am today. So this meeting is very close to my heart. I still come to it on an annual basis with my sponsor to get our, our birthday chips. And so I'm delighted to be with you all today. Um, so i i wanted to i wanted to kind of put myself in context from there i also wanted to just get honest you know my my recovery i'm I'm able to live a happy joyous and free life today because i believe in rigorous honesty and uh, as much as possible free of judgment and with compassion and i gotta say I had my husband, so my husband loves this one specific food, and it tends to be a little sexy, you know, kind of can cause me a little bit of trouble, like I'll think about it, and then I want to think about it some more, and in reorganizing the dishware, the mounting dishware in our house, because we have a, I have a six-month-old, and who now I'm introducing solids to, which is a whole nother deepening of my recovery, quite honestly, the fact that I am now responsible for um, feeding another creature and introducing as best I can healthy eating habits has been um, a deepening and very interesting in terms of my, my, my journey. And, you know, he needs like plates and spoons and cups and things like that. So I'm reorganizing and I stumble upon where my husband had hid this food, which I had asked him to. And sure enough, like after feeding my son in the middle of the night, I went and I had I had it. And I had a choice at that point in time. I could beat myself up, rubinate, and try to do some kind of damage control because of shame. Or I could get honest about it with my husband. I could get honest about it with my sponsor. And I could brush it off and move on. And that really enca- encapsulates where my recovery is today where it's really about acknowledging that um, that that it ebbs, it's a nonlinear process. It ebbs and flows, and it adapts to where I am with my life today. So the fact that I can um, not get hooked by that experience, put it in its rightful place, um, laugh about it a bit, have compassion and move on, and have a perfectly, like, balanced meal and not over exercise or try to limit what I'm eating the next day is purely a miracle. Um, so I was very actively in my disease for 15 years. It started when I was a teenager in high school and in the form of restriction and compulsive over exercising. And then when that stopped working, because biologically and physiologically, if you restrict inevitably it will result in a binge. So that lasted only a certain amount of time, um, although I was quite effective at it, until it eventually manifested into every form of bulimia one can think of. When that, um, and then compulsive eating. So I'm not gonna get a lot into what it was like, um, cause I really would like to spend the majority of the time today on what it's what I did and what it's like now. Cause my life has significantly shifted and transformed, especially in the past 15 months, um, in getting pregnant having a baby um, which would not have been possible at all if it weren't for um, and all the changes that that has required of me in terms of my own sense of self body weight and shape surrender um, and relationship with food as a result which i feel is is absolutely a miracle Um, so i will say that my, my 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 relationship with food body weight and shape for 15 years really kept me from being authentic and whole. On the outside, like many of us, I was high performing. I excelled at what I did. I had lots of friends, Um, but on the inside, I was dying. You know, I I hated myself. I um, could not sit still if there was free time. It was always, um, well, actually I didn't need free time. My time was really eaten up, pun intended, right, by um, planning food planning how to get rid of food, um, breaking down my schedule into 15 minute increments in terms of how I would exercise to, 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 um, to, to compensate for eating food. And, um, and that just continued on and on and on and on until I got to the point where I had my bottom that got me into program where I was in, uh, I was home alone. I had a roommate who was out and literally the blinds were drawn I was going through what I call like the Bermuda Triangle from couch to kitchen to bathroom. You can put it together, couch to kitchen to bathroom, watching crappy-ass reality television, asking myself, what the hell happened to me? I'm so much more than this. And picked up the phone, called a dear friend of mine who I knew was in therapy and said, I need help, who referred me to a, a, a therapist who I saw, who referred me to OA. And I started coming to the rooms. at that point in time. I went to meetings i didn't share honestly and openly about how i was suffering i did get a sponsor but i was lying to my sponsor so that didn't really work out very well but i didn't leave i kept coming i kept coming i kept coming and um i would get little bits of abstinence i got a sponsor i started working the steps and then i let go of the food behaviors that relationship stalled And I didn't pursue a new sponsor. And sure enough, within weeks, I was binging um, and purging again, you know, once a month, once a week, twice a week, once a day, twice a day, and so on and so on, until I hit the bottom that got me on the road of recovery, where I was in the front bathroom of my home. My husband was taking a nap in, in, in our bedroom, and I had had a particularly horrendous purge. And anyone that has purged, it, it knows that it is the most humiliating, um, painful experience, and um, you just lose all bodily sensation. And I was looking at myself in the mirror, and I was my eyes were bloodshot red, and my face was all swollen and puffy, and I thought to myself, I will lose everything. I will lose everything if I don't get my shit together. And fortunately, just happenstance, I was slated to go on sabbatical for my job moved to London to get my master's. And at that time I I said, I'm, I'm doubling down and I got there and I found program and I found a sponsor who shared much of my story and I had total anonymity living in another country to really think about who I was, um, what I needed and what made me tick. And that was the last time that I, I, I purged, um, And that's how I defined my bottom line abstinence with no binging and purging of of any kind and and restriction. So when I was in London, I started aggressively working with steps like many of us um, do. I would meet with my sponsor. We would read the steps together out loud. We'd discuss it. She'd give me questions. I'd reflect on them. We'd get back together and I would turn it over. And when I got to step two, you know, the concept of higher power, like many of us, I really struggled. And I lived in Notting Hill, which felt very cheesy uh, for those of us that know the Hugh Grant film and Julia Roberts film from, I don't know if it's the the 90s, I'm thinking, Uh, but we couldn't help ourselves. You know, we were, we were looking for a place to live. And the closer we got, like, this is, if we're going to live here for a little over a year, this is where we're going to be. And I found myself across the street in Hyde Park, just walking and thinking and reflecting about who I was, what my motivation was and what made me tick. And at that time it was like HP, Hyde Park, HP, this is my higher power. So nature uh, connecting with the elements still continues to be one way that I, I very distinctly define higher power um, as well as um, as well as anything and everything that isn't the voice in my head that's trying to get, to kill me basically and telling me to do weird, weird, manipulative behaviors with body weight and shape and food as a means of disconnecting with myself and the world around me. Um, and I've since, as time has evolved, really expanded my sense of higher power to also mean higher purpose. And so when I'm getting in a more existential, heady, conceptual space where I can't connect with what is higher power, I can get bring back to center and ask myself, what's my higher purpose? And that right now is um, to help bring health um to society right now in a variety of different ways mind and body and purpose and that takes me outside of myself and um pivots me into a right place, space so um when i was in london um i doubled down on my recovery And um, I got a lot of clarity around those questions, who I was and what made me tick, and what my motivation was. And I ended up doing a massive professional pivot, um, quitting my job, starting my own organization, um, which everyone told me I was crazy about. And I knew that as long as I stayed connected to who I authentically was, and I was able to for the very first time because I wasn't clouded. By um, massive um, uh, distraction by food and body weight and shape and body manipulation, um, and came back and started sponsoring and continued to work the steps um, and and whatnot. So so. Um, so i'm going to spend the rest of my time i'm kind of i'm glossing over a lot of you know what happened and what it was like and that kind of thing because i really as i said want to talk about what it's like now and let me know how much time i i've left too um so um my life has has really really transformed i'm not gonna lie i think about food a lot especially in this covid world where we have where like the one place that I'm allowed to go is the grocery store. I mean, I don't know, this is like a gift in some ways, right. For somebody recovering from an eating disorder or it's like freaking hell, because it makes that in, going to the grocery store that much more exciting. Right. You're like, I get to go to the grocery store and see like what, if they have the foods that I like and food plan and all this. Um, and, and it just kind of is what it is. So I kind I have to laugh about it. Um, uh, And amazingly, it's my husband is the one that ends up going to the grocery store most of the time, which I'm totally cool with, which is surrender in and of itself. Whereas in the past, I would have to control the entire situation and meticulously decide where we got, and how much and this and that and and be secretive about it. So, um, so about four, four years ago, I decided that I wanted to be a mother, I wanted to be a parent. And I was not um, somebody that always knew that that was something that I wanted in, in their journey. Um, it was actually a point of, of um, confusion and uncertainty for quite some time that also generated a lot of fear. And it wasn't even about being a parent that that triggered much of the fear. It was about what would happen to my body, right? It was about losing control over my body weight and shape, being pregnant, being tired. Um, The, the newborn days where everyone talks about you're in this constant state of exhaustion. For me, the fodder of my disease type thinking really much of it is, it's fatigue. Like I do not do being tired. Well, Um, much of my recovery is about learning how to be with and dance with a tremendous gift that I have, which is tremendous energy. And what my disease would do would weaponize it, where I had to mute it and stifle it. Um, And the way I would do that was through excessive exercise or compulsive eating, also overeating, because I didn't know what to do with myself. And now I know if I'm anxious, if I'm anxious, like move my body or pray or meditate. Um, if I'm tired, go to sleep, if I'm hungry, eat, if I'm sad, talk about it, if I'm angry, find a safe outlet, like it's very basic parenting of oneself, yet I didn't have the skills or the tools to effectively um, manage and cope with my tremendous energy, Um, so I, I, that was really what it was, and on a, a, I went on a backpacking trip by myself, it was a personal goal of mine and I was climbing a mountain. It was very metaphorical and I was negotiating with fear, um, a very programmy type activity to do um, as I was walking as I was walking up this mountain. And one thing that came was about being being a parent. And I decided then, you know, this is something that I really want um, to, to experience if it's meant for me in my journey and came back and started the process. And because of my eating disorder, I had a um, medical condition called amenorrhea, which means you're not getting your period. So if you're not getting your period, then how are you ovulating? And then how are you going to have a baby? So there was a lot of mystery and a lot of turning over that ended up happening um, at at that time. And it was not a fast thing. It took us two years. Um, there was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of desire to try to control the situation when I was feeling completely powerless and then also needing to stay true to myself in terms of what I was willing to, to give and what I was willing to do and what, what just intuitively and physically did not feel right. Um, and one thing that I know is that my, one thing my sponsor always says to me is, you know my your brain our emotion our brain's first line of defense when we're feeling something really extreme is to think about food or to uh, body weight and shape for me and that was absolutely the case and so it was really what helped me in that point in time was step 11 like really really deepening my meditation really talking about it with um people that um that could provide an empathetic ear and just hold space and be supportive and to also be willing to dramatically change and modify my food plan where um i was eating foods um that i never ever ever would have eaten before Um, um that seems counterintuitive to me like if it's hot eating hot foods like things like that um, but I was willing and open to try, which I wouldn't have done if I wasn't in recovery, right? And then I got pregnant, <laughs> which was amazing. And that was one thing after the other in terms of turning it over. And I'm so grateful for these rooms because I was able to connect with other people that had gone through the process and ask them, you know, what did you do? Um, you know, the first trimester being nauseous all the time. And I joked about it. I said, I've already put in my time in terms of throwing up. So hopefully my higher power won't that make it won't make that the case. And I didn't. I was nauseous, but that wasn't part of my my story, thankfully. And so needing the only thing that would make it better was like eating, which was counterintuitive and also another level of surrender. Because there was, you know, one voice in my head, the the eating disordered voice that was saying, You need to control your weight. Um um you can't use this as like a a get out of jail card or whatever. And it was like, no, 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 just trust your body, trust your body, trust your body, trust your body. And that has become my mantra at this point in time where getting quiet, thinking and connecting with intuition, which the disease completely clouds our ability to connect with, at least for me. And I would know what was right for me and what was right for my, my, my body. Then fast forward, you get in the second trimester. I felt better, but I didn't have like that burst of energy that some people talk about. I think part of it was just you don't feel like shit all the time, so you're like, yes, yes this is better. And then what happened? I get diagnosed with gestational diabetes. So I had felt that I was a failure. I'd done something wrong. Yes, a lot of it is um, uh, it's um, genetic, and there wasn't really there weren't any changes that were being made to my my food plan. At that time, or my exercise, it was really triggering. And again, I was able to talk to fellows that had gone gone through the experience that could provide an empathetic ear and further turn it over. I had to go to the um, to see the doctor every every week and get monitored. I was being weighed every week and monitored. And I told my doctor, I get blind weighed every single time, and I still do. I told my doctor, I'm turning my weight over to you. Just let me know I'm on track. And that was that they, that's tremendous, you know, because for me, I wanna make it about a number, especially if I'm feeling powerless about like this big change that's coming into my life. It's easier to focus and obsess about a number than to turn over and be vulnerable in that way. Um, so the baby comes, he's amazing. He's the sweetest little thing ever. We're so fortunate. He is such like a joyful spirit um, calm. And, um, and then I start breastfeeding and I'm hungrier than I ever was during my pregnancy. And I'm like, nobody told me about this. So I had thought that, you know, I'd go back to my normal eating and not be eating. Like, I feel like a truck driver, like, like massive quantities of food. Um, when I'm basically responsible, well, I am responsible for building this creature. And this is the, the, the route that we've selected. And I'm fortunate to be able to provide in that way. So all of these twists and turns and twists and turns where right when I thought, and I know it's a metaphor for life, right? And it's definitely priming for parenting because you don't have, I mean, this is their own person. It's a little human being. They're going to be and who how they are. And I'm just this conduit. Um, and, and being able to adapt, ask for help, um, and then connect internally with what is it that my body needs has been so, I can't even tell you what a transformation that is because in the past, what would it be? It would be eating the exact same thing, the exact same times, not listening to my body if I was hungry, if I was full, because it would have been been predetermined. It was the rule, it was the fad diet, it was what I was supposed, quote unquote, to do. Um, and versus, versus um, doing what I feel is best, eating how I feel that I need to nurture myself and, and, and nurture my child um, to stay alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic and not get into a place of depletion has been tremendously significant and transformative. And now I find myself Teach, now teaching this little human, you know, how to eat, which um, the months leading up to it was very emotional. And I ended up doing um, writing about it and thinking about, you know, naming the fears, what was so fearful about it, that um, I wouldn't be a good enough role model, that he would have an eating disorder, that um, that I wouldn't do it perfectly. Um and there were some other things that, uh, that were surfaced that were very powerful for me around my own upbringing and, 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 and um, relationships with food versus what I w- would, love, would love this experience to be. And then I flipped it on its ear. Like, what was I excited about? I'm really excited about this opportunity to further deepen my relationship with um, my recovery and a healthy relationship with food. And a series of other things and turned it over to my sponsor and I cried. And, and then after that, I was ready to start introducing food salads to him. And the approach that we're taking is, um, uh, it's, a, it's um, my husband, and I call it baby led empowered eating. That's what we're calling it, where we basically give, we break, give him real food and he can experiment with it and taste it. And he's in charge. We're not like force feeding um a, spoon for in his mouth, because that was very triggering for me. And he's getting, I mean, he he was like, what the hell is up with you people? I'm on to you. Like, what are you trying to do with me? But now he's, you know, finding his foods and finding his way and on his own time and pace. And in talking to, to, to somebody, I realized, yeah, you know, he has his own food journey. He has his own journey in life, his own food journey, and I am just the conduit. And the ability to be able to let go and um, turn it over um, and trust is amazing. Somebody that went from spending every moment of my life thinking about food, how I would get it, how I get rid of it, glamorizing or romanticizing around that perfect meal, you know, waking up every hour in the middle of the night to go back and get a little bit more, get back, go back and get a little more, and then freak out because it's that one specialty artisanal food that I have to go to that one grocery store to again and again and again to replace, replenish, and be utterly embarrassed and then be exhausted the next day but have to exercise to get rid of it. It's amazing. that That is not my life today. And what do I have on the other side? I have this tremendous creature who has also gifted me with a deeper appreciation of my body and what it's able to do, a recognition of my own strengths, the um, stretching me to new and uncertain spaces, and a greater certainty and commitment to maintaining my recovery and my spiritual practice because I know that without that, it can be a really slippery slope, and I don't want to go back there. So, um, So I'm very grateful to... Each of you, um, I see a lot of familiar faces from different parts of parts of life, um, and I love this fellowship because, and, and right now, I think one thing that's especially special is that no matter where we, who we are, and how we identify, and where we are, we're able to connect in this shared space um, across the country, across the globe. And um, we reclaim our commitment to our own health and well-being, our own recovery, and to being of service to one another. So it's great to be here. And thanks again for inviting me to share.